Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM to get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 93, brought to you by Simply Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I am joined by my co-host, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Don't sleep on Minnesota. Baseball, Ben, what's going on, man? Howdy, howdy. Have you been sleeping on Minnesota? Always. So as this cool front hits North Texas, where you and I are residing, and tomorrow's high is in the 30s, do you know what it's going to be like in the Twin Cities? I would love to hear it. I have not checked in with Duster Dan on this. Yeah, our boy Duster Dan lives up there. It's currently 10 mm. in Minneapolis. The high tomorrow is 5. Yeah, it's it's really not the, you know, the it's the warmth that kills you, really. So, you know, it, yeah. it just makes you stronger. That's really all it is. Uh, so I don't know if anyone else in our listening public knows this, but Duster Dan and I are into uh, living history like World War One and World War Two reenacting. And this past weekend, Duster Dan went to a Battle of the Bulge reenactment where he slept outside in the snow. Oh, my God. Yeah, I feel, dude. I feel like we have to hear more about that whenever we do the SLM roundtables here in a couple weeks. Oh, it's going to be going to be outstanding. But it actually created a perfect baseball segue. Okay, tell me more. What do you know about pine tar? Pine tar. Well, it's sticky. That I do know. Okay. Mark that so for later. We, <laughs> we talked about pine tar a bit. Um, there's some incidents with people using it on the bat. You're allowed to have it up to a certain line, but it can't go above a certain line, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I had a pair of World War II boots that I had to re-waterproof last night. And I opened up a can of Hubbard's Shoe Grease, not an official sponsor. And I opened it up, and I'm looking at the ingredients. It's basically just pine tar. So I covered a pair of boots in pine tar last night. I'm, so it's basically just pine tar, or does it have a little bit more to it? Because I would imagine that it would be very difficult to get off of said boot. It has some other... Um, I don't have the can on me right now, but there's some <laughs> other stuff too. But pine tar... And like beeswax and something else. I don't understand how you always have these cans of things that seem to be like very specific. Like there was a time, I don't even know if we've talked about this on the outfielder before or not, but back when I had hair, I once had a cowlick type situation going on. <laughs> and I asked Ben for some hair, like if he had any like, you know, mousse or any, or what did I ask you specifically for? Like wax? I think like hair gel. Yeah, hair gel. Or, I don't, it wasn't gel though. We were not in like sixth grade yeah he asked me for some la looks yeah exactly <laughs> exactly anyway um and ben pulled out this hair like gel stuff that he used it's like it was more like an epoxy the best way to describe it and the the way you described it to me was when i had a mohawk this is what i used to keep it up when i got in the pool yep that's uh pretty accurate it was uh it's uh not another official sponsor this would be um this would be Murray's Pomade, and uh, it's a fine orange can available in most major supermarkets. I'm a Dapper Dan man myself. Yeah, I, I know you're a Dapper Dan man. I get it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes. And by the way, if you're going to throw shade about cans, can you think of another way of storing uh, waxy, greasy-like materials? No. Exactly. Point Ben Baseball. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. See, dude, this is exactly what happens when baseball is off. Is we get to talking about like petroleum jelly in like the first two minutes of the outfielder for whatever reason. That's what that hair stuff was. It had petroleum jelly or some shit in it. It was disgusting. We will uh, maybe tweet out the picture of it tomorrow, and we'll get a feel for exactly what else going on with this with this hair product. Can you also tweet out a picture of you with said mohawk? Uh, I'll see if I can find one. Mine was never as good as Duster Dan's, though. I had the more, like, low-cut Joe Strummerhawk. Uh, Duster Dan had, like, the 8-inch Liberty Spikes. Yeah. 
Okay, we're, maybe we'll get that picture instead. We'll just say it's you because it looks mostly like you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we miss baseball. We miss baseball bad, dude. Like these are, we're talking about absolutely nothing. Like ten minutes into this show, and I, I just like I I texted Sam like a week ago, and I was like, I miss baseball, and he said, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there for sure. Yeah. Well, he's been avoiding us because we can't give him said baseball. Right. I mean, we're gonna have a. a you know, just like we did at the beginning of this past season, we're going to have a commercial come out and it'll kind of it'll give you guys an overview of what we've been up to in the off season, what our lives have become. It's but hey, not great. J-Mac, can I uh, do you happen to have a large, large pool of money laying around uh, in the back? It's right by Brandon's office. OK, yeah, yeah. He's he's our finance guy. That's the money. Room. Um. So, how much do you think it would cost if I wanted to up my stake in the New York Metropolitan Baseball Club? Um, well, I know I saw that. So, I, I think where you're going with this, do do I kill the lead or do I keep going? No, with this? Go, just go for it. Yeah, you can you can kill the lead. Okay, I'm killing the lead because I feel like this is so important. Like this is big news coming out of New York. This is I, I'm I'm so happy about the way you teed me up, but like this is this is this this affects our, one of our very own Jimmy Middletown. Mm-hmm. This affects big things on this show. This is a big deal, and this affects a lot of poor poor New York fans. And of course, I mean the Mets because the Wilpon Group, who's previously owned the Mets, is now selling their stake of the team, their majority stake of the team, to Stephen Cohen, the billionaire. Dude, I'm going to stop down this show real quick and give it an applause. <laughs> this is bigger than us putting Jimmy Midtown's name on Wikipedia. Which I'm still waiting for that to get approved. Yeah, they're working on it. It should be soon. It says it'll take like a week. Anyway, for those that don't know what we're talking about, go watch, go watch the award show. It's out there. It's a couple episodes ago. It's, it's great stuff. Anyway, the Mets have been sold. I think there could be some hope on the horizon here, man. Were you shocked about this when you first heard it? Well, anytime you get a major market team with a sizable ownership change, like it's a pretty big deal because I mean, there's just headlines about it, you know, like this, this, I don't know that they're ever going to be a long-term threat to the Yankees when it comes to market share in the boroughs. But, I mean, this certainly makes me feel like they're going to be a more competitive team. So, I agree with you. And I haven't had this conversation on this show a whole lot because there's not a ton of time to talk about it. And it actually doesn't come up quite as much in baseball. I mean, it does, but it's a little. it kind of rears its head to different form. But I'm a very big believer in the concept of top-down management. And if you have ownership, for example, that can't make a decision to save their lives and can't decide which direction is the right direction for the team and when to let things go and when to to take action, when you can't do that from a very, very high level of ownership all the way down, it affects teams to the point where they're they're not set up in a successful place to win at all. And you can look across you know New York right here to the Knicks. They're a great example of that in, in basketball where the owner's a moron and he just he can't decide on a direction and they have it's just dysfunctional all the way down and it this, ha- this has happened for to the Mets for years dude the Wilpons have owned this this team for so long and they have made one bad decision one dysfunctional decision after another you're talking about an ownership that lost a sizable portion of the team to Bernie Madoff <laughs> And I mean, you know, obviously a lot of people got duped in this financial scheme, but like these are not the most, you know, talented business people. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like, look at it. I think Jimmy's kind of I think I, I don't know how Jimmy truly feels about this. He says he's pretty OK with Brody Van Wagen being their GM so far. And it's it's gone OK. He's been aggressive. I'll give him that. And like, I'll I'll be interested to see what he does when he has new actual power and, and you know, a, a supportive ownership group. But like, I think that when you look at decisions like hiring a GM or I'm sorry, hiring an agent as your GM, those are suspect decisions that 
I mean, I, I just, I, you don't see successful organizations doing things like that. Right. That's like, like a throwaway gag in The Simpsons. Exactly. And I want to, uh, and another thing you touched on that I think is really interesting too is, so with this whole like top down kind of look at like how your organization is run, I mean, like look at, I'll use another NBA example, look at how relevant the Clippers are for the first time ever. When, not that they have an owner who doesn't want to make his players buy their own socks. Like, <laughs> Seriously, like that was a thing in their ownership before that. And it's like, are you kidding me? You're not going to give these guys that are playing, you know, 162 games socks, you know, or, or in basketball, 82. But you know what I mean? It's it's th- things like that that make a difference. And I mean, I don't think that the Lakers are the only NBA team in, in L.A. anymore. And I think the same thing could kind of happen in New York with baseball, where I mean, it's always going to be a Yankees town. Right. But I don't know. You see the Mets actually doing something actually productive, I think you start to make a run at market share easily. Yeah, especially if they can do it consistently because that's going to be the mark of whether or not the ownership group has really started to make the right moves. Um, Baseball's not an easy sport, and it's not something to where you can get long-term success very easily. So I think that'll be the way to tell if this investment is really paying off is if the not only are you going to have seats in the seats as it were, but are you getting quality product consistently? And I don't mean one season, two seasons. I'm saying like a decade where they are contenders. Right. And like one of the fundamental misunderstandings about, if you really think about like the composition of MLB ownership, like this, this cost Stephen Cohen uh, $2.6 billion to buy. Like this is not a cheap investment, right? But the interesting thing ends up being that you have all these owners that have worked really hard in business to get to where they are. And what do you do? Like, what's your, as a, as a business person, like, what's your your goal? Your goal is to spend as little as possible, maximize that, turn a profit, and be successful in that sense. And that logic doesn't always work when running a ball club. And like there was a situation with the Rays in their very early days where they had an owner like that who was just like he would just like shake down people for bringing in snacks at the, you know, like into the gates, like trying to sneak in peanuts so they would buy them there. Like crazy crap like that. Right. That's just like I get that that's how you run a business. But like these are teams that like your product are humans. Not only that, (laughs) your product are humans, but you're not selling a tangible product you're 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 selling selling an an experience experience. right exactly and i just think that's that's really important and like i don't think that i i feel like we've gotten better but i feel like the people that can afford to spend 2.6 billion dollars on a team didn't necessarily get there by running an organization the same way maybe because i mean there are a lot of people that hire the right people to do the right things and get out of their way and let them be successful and that's yeah. how you have to run a ball club is let the right hire the right people. You're not always going to make the right hire. We've the Red Sox hired Bobby Valentine at one point, Ben. I mean, come on. Bobby Valentine. Fantastic. I that's that's your little Mets tie-in too. Uh, but regardless like you're going to make bad decisions as an organization, but you can you can rectify those decisions as long as you continue to make the right ones, not just continue to do the same dumb shit over and over and over and over. Absolutely. And if anyone, if I'm walking into a ballpark and someone tries to separate me from my Cracker Jacks, we're going to have another conversation. Dude, I'm telling there's a, uh, his name was Vincent Namoli and he was the, he was the first, he actually just passed away like not long ago. May he rest in peace. But he just, he was like a Goldman guy and he, he was a cost cutter and he wanted to like, I mean everything. Like they didn't even have like the Rays up until like 2000 and, Eight didn't even own like the raise.com web <laughs> web space. They they all used hotmail email addresses because they were free. They, they were they were using Tampa Bay Rays.org <laughs> yeah, to like, save on the two dollar domain name. Yeah, like no, seriously. Like it was it was that bad, man. Like it is like it's there's a, it's a book, it's by Jonah Carey, and it it is it will absolutely blow your mind at like how this guy ran this organization. And there's it's not just him. There's some other examples too. It'd be but. like if you want to buy nachos, you have to buy the chips and cheese separately. Right. <laughs> right. Like it was like, and there was like situations where like you know they're in Tampa Bay and they have 
you know, older folks coming in and they do like, you know, go out to the ballpark day or whatever in the, you know, old folks community or, you know, whatever it is. Right. So you've got like, that's just like your demographic is like older, older folks. And like he wouldn't, he got to a point where he like, he had the ushers out there like looking for snacks to confiscate, confiscate them from people. And he literally like, there was a situation where like this old lady had to have like peanuts to take her medicine or you know something like that it was like a medical thing it wasn't like a i'm trying to bring skittles into the ball game you know like right. it was it was a real thing and they like took it from her and she passed out it was this whole fucking thing dude and it's like dude just let her have the peanuts what are we doing here you That's know ridiculous. Dude, it's full of stories like that it's unbelievable it really is so anyway um this is a huge thing for the mets and bad ownership like the Wilpons. That that's a problem that doesn't go away. This is a big th- like a big thing to go away, and I think that like even even in markets where you have two big teams like New York, right? I feel like you're starting to see these in all these leagues owners that think you know what we can have two teams here and this one can be better than the other the other one, and you you're starting to see an actual business approach to how these things are owned, not just a, I want to save every dollar I can and take in all the TV revenue. Yeah, and it's like, why should we treat ourselves like the kid sibling club? Like, we can do what we need to do to be successful and to put that winning product on the field. Let's get out of our own way. Exactly. Like, dude, like, I, I really, like, I say this all the time. You know, I, I've been on the record by saying this. Building a, a club is just not that hard. It's really not that hard. It's very simple. You hire the right people to do the right things and give you the right information you draft based on that information and you let and then you bring in the right pieces whenever it's time. You don't just like willy-nilly hand out contracts and stuff like that. You build a, a young core like the Astros have done, right? Build a young core and then bu- put pieces around it. It's not hard. Well, I think in theory it's not hard. I think in practice no, right now we're not playing with our own money. You know, we don't have yeah, but two hundred eighty billion to spend or whatever. I'm with you, but like if someone's sitting there saying, "Hey, take player A," and I'm like, "I really want player B," but like I and I'm talking about a two point six billion dollar investment, and someone's sitting there saying, "You need to take player A." I'm going to take player A because I hired this person to tell me what is best because I don't know about running a ball club personally. That's my point. It's like that's the that's how they have to look at this. Because other like almost anything other than that is almost a failure at this point, which is crazy. But yeah, it's like uh it's like buying a souped up car and putting the cheapest gasoline in it. It's like what are you doing? Exactly. Like what like you've already like that's the part that gets me is like and, and that's I've I've screamed about this about the uh the Red Sox and Mookie Betts. It's like you're you're a billionaire like complaining about peanuts. Like what are we doing here? Like this makes you money. I don't know what what the disconnect is. It's crazy, and you're just seeing a lot more competitive ownership and a lot of people that look at this as it's not that hard. Just follow the formula, and not everything. Like the Astros proved that they were bad for a long time, and th- like they had a lot of tra- uh, draft picks and stuff that did not work out. But they yep. were also smart enough to know, okay, this is when we should make some trades. This is when we should do this. This, you know, and, and kind of orderly form everything together, and not just build around whatever hot piece you happen to have today and then he gets hurt so then you got to draft another one and then you know and so on there's no you have to have a plan is the point and i just don't think at the end of the day there's no tried and true like formula but it's really not that hard yeah i'm with you well you ready to you ready to pivot slightly a little bit yeah because now we can talk about the signings that have happened Exactly. So (laughs) speaking of massive amounts of money, let's start with the world champions. J-Mac, who won the World Series this past year? That was the Washington Nationals. That's right. And if you could name, I don't know, name a Washington Nationals pitcher. Hmm. I feel like I know where you're leading me. I'm going to go with Steven Strasburg. Absolutely. What do you think the straw man... Uh, just did over the weekend. How do you think he uh, he made his bacon? Hold on, real quick, for uh, me getting that answer right. <laughs> How do you think uh, Mr. Strasburg made his weekend? It worked out okay. 
It definitely worked out okay. This dude signed a seven-year, $245 million deal. That's ridiculous. And that makes him the highest average annual value for a pitcher in Major League history. That's absurd, dude. That is absolutely absurd. And ridiculous uh, on my part. When I saw this news headline, I was like, yeah, but he still hasn't proven himself and won a title. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, he did that six weeks ago. Six weeks ago. Yeah. Baseball just ended. I mean, last year alone, he had a he has he had a war of the on the team of six and a half. He went 18 and six. He had a 332 ERA and he pitched 209 innings with 251 strikeouts and a 1.038 whip. That's an elite pitcher. Absolutely. That is absurd. Like that's a that's those are great numbers. And he wasn't I mean he's one of the top pitchers in the league, but I wouldn't even know if I'd classify him as the top pitcher. No, I think he's up there. Uh do you think then cuz I remember years ago every time you see Strasburg's name it was because they were trying to save him and yep. not push him. Mm-hmm. So do you think this is now the fruits of those uh, endeavors? I mean, I don't think that it's unrelated. I'll give you that because I think there's a, I mean, a, again, like whenever we talk about things in the context of this is not that hard, I throw less innings means I pitch longer. <laughs> like it's very simple, right? Like it's not that hard. And like whenever you don't have to stretch the guy, whenever you're, you know, still in your infancy stage, like the Nationals are a great example of the way that a team is tip should be put together where they've really grown a lot of that from within. And you know they've had they had the you know luxury of having Bryce Harper. I, ironically enough, it didn't end up mattering for them. But that's the point: is like whenever you take one guy out, your whole team doesn't get ripped out either. Like they've built this whole team within. And Steven Strasburg was in a situation where he was young, very young, and they didn't want to just war- ride him all the way until he was you know completely dead in the ground at twenty years old. So they shut him down. And there was always a bunch of debate of are they going to you know shut him down? Are they going to shut him down? It's like yes. Yes, they are, because they're not going anywhere right now. And it makes less, it just makes more sense to give him more rest. Just like, what's the point of going and throwing all those pitches in a season where you're not going anywhere? No, that makes sense. I mean, what was your your take on that at the time? Because that was around 2012 when that was happening. Yeah. So part of me thought that it's how you get better is by more reps and by pitching in those game time situations. But. I feel like then you're sort of I don't remember the exact expression you're you're losing the forest for the trees like you're you're missing out on the larger picture like or on the larger picture because what does it matter if I win this series against the Braves when both teams are 500 ball clubs if you that. know in September like <laughs> who gives a care Yeah exactly that's the exact point and like but I I do get the other side of it where it's like you know pitch 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 more pitches you know equals more experience, you know, and and therefore equals wins and et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think that we've gotten smarter with medicine, dude. I really do. And I think that's a big part of this is like understanding what the body's limitations are and like, not just the body, but like that specific person. That makes sense. And so like, I think, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think medicine's come a long way since we decided to start washing our hands before surgery. Like that was a really good start. Very true. Definitely a great start. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I hope that they washed up before the first Tommy John surgery. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope James Andrews doesn't just come back from lunch and decide to. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a big part of that, dude. I, I really do. And like, it's one of those things like you just don't have like a million Nolan Ryans. Like they're just or, or, or you know, Randy Johnson. They're just absolute tanks that never get hurt like that just doesn't really exist like those guys are freaks and to be fair while they were they were pitching to top talent at their time Mm -hmm. the talent of batter the caliber of batter is different now that's exactly that's a great point I mean, they're they're totally different. The way the games are played is different than whenever. No, when Ryan started in the '60s, right. you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that dude pitched in four different decades. <laughs> like that that doesn't exist. Like they're you know, like everybody everybody always says that about LeBron too. It's the same kind of thing where it's like 
you don't understand. <laughs> like people, the human body isn't like made to do what that that player does. Right. Like this isn't just like a oh, it's amazing that he's still, you know, getting at it. Like this is a <laughs> this is a freak human being. And there's like three or the, three three of those people like p- picture wise that you can name off the top of your head that are like that. There's just not very many of them. And I just I think you're getting away from that mentality though of just Going out there and trying to be a hard ass about it. I think you use medicine to your advantage as much as you can. No, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. So in that case, Strasburg has signed. Has he set a market for some other pitchers that are out there? So yeah. So the the next one that I think is kind of on everybody's mind and the next domino to fall is Garrett Cole. But the hell of this whole Strasburg thing is that Garrett Cole's likely to get $35 million a year more. That's ridiculous. So, like, Strasburg will have set the value for, like, three days. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, right? Um, so, um, as we get to that, so the Yankees have reportedly offered him seven years, $245 million. That's not going to get it done. That's, I know. Otherwise, is, you would have said yes. Right, This is this is more... This is a three hundred thousand dollar deal minimum. Three hundred million. Oh, sorry, yeah, three hundred million. Excuse me. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. I I do like him in New York, though. It makes me really intimidated to watch the Yankees for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's not great. That's not something I'm I'm hoping to happen. I'll tell you that, dude. It'll certainly make those uh those series a little bit more exciting. Definitely, no doubt about it. But I think there's. I mean, I, I, that's definitely the Yankees' need. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, they they did fine last year, even with Luis Severino being out for majority of the season, really. Yeah. So No, they're, uh, I think, who is it, one of their best pitchers? Tanaka? Tanaka, yeah. I mean, yeah, Tanaka. Let, I mean, you know, you're going to have Tanaka out there as your, your guy, and he can kind of shoulder the weight, but you're a year older, and you're, you know, you know you're, you're moving towards, like, really being in a window spot and you got to make sure and that's kind of where the Yankees are right now where they're in a window that's that will close fast on them but they need to capitalize on that right now just like the Red Sox did last year which is why if they get Garrett Cole it really does a lot for the likelihood of that window it stabilizes the whole thing a lot and that's huge so it means a lot to them but 245 million is not going to get it done i can tell you that yeah i mean so the other <laughs> the other competition main competition it sounds like he has is the angels okay and what are your thoughts on that so the angels are in an interesting spot so they just basically re-signed a lease to to like make sure that they stay in anaheim for another what was it like 30 years until 2050 so the angels just signed with the city the municipality or whatever to stay in anaheim for the next what 31 years like, right that's ridiculous right so they're they're committing and they want to put in like one of those you know you got all the shops and food and everything around it of course and because that's the thing to do right now and that's fine like you have to do that to stay competitive and keep your team relevant even yep. though as sam bino would tell us in our slack chat that no one actually lives or exists in la i think is kind of how he he no framed. i think he said anaheim was the waco of california i don't that <laughs> that's a take <laughs> He then tried to tell me, no, he's not, no, he can't defend himself on this. That's fantastic. He should have been here for this. This is unbelievable. He also tried to tell me that Florida's not that bad. He's wrong, is what he is. (laughs) Okay, so Angels will remain in Anaheim, but does that give them any extra money to play with? What's that do? I mean, it seems like they are wanting to spend money. I mean, they just gave Mike Trout a gigantic deal. And, like, basically, whenever it's come to Art Moreno, the owner, deciding to open up the checkbook. So, look at the Pujols contract. Ten years, 325, something like that? Yeah, it was it was massive. Yeah, it was enormous. That was all him. Josh Hamilton, five years, $125 million. Hilarious, but also him. Yeah, probably should have bought the extended warranty on that one. Probably so. I don't think he played more than, like, two seasons. Anyway. So you got to think though you've got Otani there, you've got you just signed Mike Trout to a four hundred million dollar like 13, 14 year deal, like 
it's time to get going, right? Like, and this is what I'm talking about, though, where, like, there has to be a rhyme or reason of why you're spending money. Right. They, they have a plan. They're, they're, it's not to say that they'll play their cards the best way, but, I mean, can you imagine the one-two punch of Otani to Cole? The, I mean, the, but he's not going to be pitching, dude. He's done pitching. Oh, Otani? They, they've yeah. totally taken done. him off? Because I yeah. knew done. they gave him the Tommy John, so it was officially he is only only, only offense hitting. now? Only hitting. Really? Yeah, he played that way about half the year this year. But I thought that that was just for medical. I didn't know that they made the full. Yeah, they they just decided we'd rather have you as a value than nothing at all. And why throw your arm out pitching when you're an excellent hitter and you know so on and so forth, which is That's the true. right thing to do. Like he wasn't gonna be able to do that forever, dude. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's the same reason why Babe Ruth stopped pitching. Like mm-hmm. I totally, totally get it. It's just ridiculous that they spent so much money for the for a player that can a you know, two way player, and they have a one way player. Right. No, for sure. But I mean, at the end of the day, I guess you end up with said player still. Yep. Oh, absolutely. You know. So I mean, it, it sucks, but I mean, I think that adds pressure to it, right? And so you're looking at a lot of pr- like, so like it sucks they lost Tyler Skaggs to you know drug overdose or whatever it was, and. They just don't really have a great rotation to begin with, and he was a he was a big piece, man. Like he was a good stabilizing third, fourth guy, and that's mm-hmm. a, that's an important guy in the rotation. It's everybody always talks about your one two, but your three four is really really important. Yeah, and no, for sure, it's a stabilizing factor. Your fifth guy is a wild card. He's like the, Charlie on It's Always Sunny, bailing out of the back of the van. He's always the wild card, and that's okay because your one two should be aces. Your three, four should be good pitchers that can, you know, eat up innings. And then I thought you were going to say he's like Charlie Sheen from the Major League movies. <laughs> also relevant. Wild thing by the Trogs comes on. <laughs> right. Perfect. But yeah, so you have this this pressure, right, from from them to be, you know, better. Like they they have they have some some pieces to to make up for. But like I would. I guess my thing with this is I understand what they're trying to do. But you got to wonder is like if you spend all your money here and we talked about this, it's going to cost, you know, 300 million minimum to get this done. And you like you're on the books between that and Mike Trout for, I mean, half a bill. Like that's a lot of money. And you hadn't even filled out your staff yet. And so like that's why I'm talking about where you like build, you know, with a foundation and then add these big contract guys like what the Yankees are trying to do right now. Yeah, just to to bring it on home, not right. to get you started. Right. That's that's what's terrifying about that situation for me. Because yeah. dude, they haven't historically done things well. Who? Anaheim? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. You're Anaheim like if this were the 4th of July, Anaheim's spending all their money on the grand finale before they buy themselves a fireworks show. Right, exactly. And it just, it, you have this, this side of the angels and Art Marino as an owner every five to 10 years where he just decides to open the checkbook and let's spend some money on this thing. And then it doesn't really work. And then you kind of piddle around for the next three years dealing with, you know, old Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, and CJ Wilson. And, you know, you're just kind of you're not really anything relevant, even though you spent a boatload of money for no real reason. And well, it, and so in that case, do you think Garrett Cole ends up in Anaheim or do you think that he's more likely to go to the Yankees? So you'll love this fun fact. He grew up in L.A. OK, 10 miles from Anaheim. OK, as a Yankees fan. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Right. <laughs> I think he goes to play for the pinstripes. I'm I'm starting to lean that way a little bit. I don't want I mean, that to happen, but I you kind of have to like well. It, so think of him. He wants to put up good numbers, so, and if he's a competitor, he probably wants to win a ring. So that's and where the other is part he more this. likely to win a ring in the next five years? Exactly. Every time. Well, yeah, pro- probably. Then the Angels. Well, I mean, I'm not saying than anyone. But I'm saying of the teams that play. Yeah. No, and those are two that. I mean, you just ho- hired jo- uh, Joe Madden as your manager, too. Like, let's not forget that. Like, they're doing a lot of things right, and that can say a lot. But I think what he's prioritized are a couple of things. It's location, which, I mean, New York or L.A., what do you really, I mean, yeah, you can't really, that's hard to compete with, right? 
would you rather be in traffic or mass transit? Exactly. So you have that side of it. You have obviously the, you know, grew up versus fandom type thing. You have the situation of winning and being in the best position to win, not just now, but if you're signing a seven, eight year deal, you want to make sure you're winning in year four of that deal as much as you are in year one of that deal. Yeah. And, and theoretically you're eight, but I mean, you're paying for, for the right for four is how that ends up playing out typically. Yeah. I mean, he's a young guy, so like he's, he's got some years on him, but that's, this is a big contract. And I just, and the final thing is who's going to pay him the most. And I think, I mean, if LA comes and gives him 300, 325 for eight years, it's a done deal. It's going to LA. Even though that's not necessarily the best thing for him. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I mean, I guess I guess it depends on what's important to you. But Right. Well, yeah, and it's about what's going to align most with his values. Right. And the other thing is, he just lost a ring. So, he's got he's probably got some vengeance of wanting to get back to that place pretty quickly. Yeah. Actually, yeah. let's let's revise that little statement for a second. By taking him out of the game and not putting him in, they lost the ring, not because of him. Yeah. No, no. It's yeah. an AJ Hinch problem. Right. That's That was in no way, shape, or form a Garrett Cole problem. Correct. Just want to make that clear. So let's let's pivot to another SoCal team. Okay. So let's go down the coast. We'll take, I don't know, the five, I don't know, California freeways. We'll take uh, Pacific Coast Highway down to San Diego. Tell me what you think the Padres have going on down there because they recently acquired Tommy Pham from Tampa. That's a hell of a thing. Did you hear about uh, Blake Snell finding out about this while he was streaming on Twitch? What? No. <laughs> yeah, it's out there, dude. It's a great video. He's just like, he basically is like, they traded him to the Padres for this and this fucking nobody. That's kind of how he how he reacts to it. It's pretty That's funny. Fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely out there. Well, Go check it out. Uh, right, this so is I'm going to give you some names. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So start with. Uh, do you want to start with Tommy Family? Let me give you the context. Give me the whole context. All right. So Padres additions in the last two years. Eric Hosmer, mm-hmm. Manny Machado, just recently, Yerkson Profar, and now Tommy Pham. Love it. Dude, I, I'm concerned uh, in that division. Yeah, that's going to be disruptive for sure. I don't know about Jerkson Profar. I mean, if I don't know, dude. I, I've been watching that guy for so long, and I've just ne- <laughs> well, never done it. Is- He's never done it. He's a typical Texas Ranger, which means he'll be talked about in the farm system, do nothing for the Rangers, get traded away, and be an all-star in another city. It's what happens. It's probably true. It's probably very true. So we'll see. But that that's a hell of an an infield in and outfield, really. Yeah. I mean, shoot, take take Profar out of it. Just give give you a Hosmer, Machado, and uh fam. That's not a bad, not a bad little clip. (laughs) It's not a bad batting lineup either. And that's adding a lot of power. And I think you're going to have to if you're trying to really compete with, like, the Dodgers. Yeah, well, and not only the Dodgers, but you could argue, as far as windows go, uh, um, San Francisco started to look better at the tail end of last year. Uh, You know, while the Diamondbacks were terrible, they're still, you know, of the last... Five years, they've had, what, probably four winning seasons? Yeah, and Colorado's so, I mean, the same way. Right, so this division just got a lot more interesting, and I'm not expecting the Dodgers to win it by 25 games again. Hmm. So I'm still going to put them relatively close. I, I need to see more of what San Diego does to fill out the rest of it in the offseason. I'm just saying that overall, I think the steam is out of the Dodgers, uh, excuse me, the wind is out of the Dodgers sails, which pains me to say this because I like the Dodgers. I still think they're going to be competitive and I still think they're going to be at the top of that division. I just don't think they're going to nearly have as easy of a job as they did in the past. Yeah, maybe not, but maybe that helps them too because it provides actual competition for 19 games a year. Okay, that's fair. And and they're not just phoning it in and then when they get to the playoffs, they're all rusty. <laughs> right, exactly. Like that... I feel like that was a big problem for the Dodgers this past year. They never seemed ready. They never really did. Yeah. No, that's fair. Okay. Any other thoughts on the uh, 
no, that's, on the Padres. That's huge for them, man. Excited for them. Well, let's pivot then to the only player we know that has dated themselves, Madison Bumgarner. We've talked oh. a lot about Cole's market. What's going on with Mad Bum? So, Mad Bum opted out from his contract to San Francisco. He's been on the the free right, the free agent market. He's looking for like five years, a hundred million. And I don't know that he's going to get that, dude. That's a lot of money. Well, I think not only is it a lot of money, it's he's not a spring chicken. Five years is a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's... he's like 33. He's 30. But having been removed from a Tommy John surgery... Wait, he's younger than we are? Yes. Oh, God. He's 30 and 30... Uh, 130 days in this... Uh, as of the recording of this episode. Just fun <laughs> fact. Um... <laughs> In the year of our Lord, 20 and 19. <laughs> so it's formalized. But yeah, I mean, he's been, I mean, he got hurt uh, a couple years ago and has never really pitched quite the same since then. But I mean, like last year, he had a 99 record, a 390 ERA. Uh, he started 34 games. Let's see. He had 207 innings pitched, and he had 90 earned runs. That's not terrible, honestly. Yeah. He gave up 30 homers total. That's not great. I don't know. I guess that's like a 3-4 guy. I think he wants to be a 2-3 guy. He's closer to a 3-4 guy, and it's a matter of what team is looking for and willing to spend to get a 3-4 guy. <sighs> yeah, that... I mean, you you got to think that teams like the Padres are going to be interested in that, right? I, I was thinking Padres. I was also thinking a team like the Twins. Mm. I don't know that he leaves the National League. He yeah, seems like a National fair. League guy. Yeah, but I'm saying that a team like the Twins, like, think of who bowed out of the playoffs last year, but definitely... Um, outplayed their expectations i think that uh, that's the type of team that would look for someone like mad bum and just add a couple more pieces who have some skins on the wall and then uh really drive it on home yeah i don't hate that i I, man i mean i'm surprised that teams like new york aren't interested in him like the yankees i really am well, spending stupid money on big contracts does sound like the Yankees. That was the other thing I was going to bring up was that whenever I first saw seven years, uh, what two forty five, that immediately made me think of Jacoby Ellsbury and what a terrible <laughs> investment that was for them. Dude, I I did not want them to re-sign him, but like I knew, well, I did want them to re-sign the, him, but I also knew that like. It's just going to play out so terribly, and it was so great to watch it not play out on my team. Because you just yeah. it was just one of those things you knew. As soon as he started to decline, it was going to be a mess, and it was. So It's one of my favorite J-Mac quoting someone else quotes is, you sure hate to see it. You sure hate to see it. I say it all the time. So that's where you think Mad Bum uh, is trying to run like the wind to get away from San Francisco. You say maybe... Maybe like a San Diego or another National League mid-tier? Maybe Atlanta, something like that. What about the Dodgers? Mm. I don't know that he would be a, a break-the-rivalry kind of guy. That means yeah. stuff to people like him. I don't know. No, if it meant the money, he'd go. I don't know if the Dodgers need him as much as like another team would. Why? Don't, why like, How would you feel about the Rangers doing that deal? Um... Not great, but I think that that's just because of the dirt bikes. Yeah, the dirt bike thing was stupid. He fell off a dirt bike and hurt his own shoulder. That's rough. But well, like, we have a history of players making stupid decisions. Like whenever um, Derek Holland dislocated his knee, allegedly falling down the stairs. Yeah. But the rumor is he may have been playing hockey. Like He was playing have... hockey. <laughs> What's that? He was playing hockey. Well... The report said that he tripped on his golden doodle going down the stairs. Mm, mm, yeah, me too. But I just, I think that'd be a good idea for them, dude. I actually would like that deal a lot. He's 30 years old. You're paying for five years. He's 35. When it's done, you spend a lot of money. You got a brand new ballpark coming, though. 
well, shoot, man, just get out your uh, get out your uniball and start inking on that line. I'm telling you, like I, I think that'd be a really good stabilizing piece for them, and they've already got, you know, I mean, they didn't trade pieces at the deadline last year, so you already have Lance Lynn and. You know, I mean, you've got some decent pitching depth in that case, and you have a lead number one ace because right now they don't have that. Well, do they have an ace? We we're just talking about him being a three-four guy. Just because he's better than the rest of your pitching staff doesn't mean he's an ace. I I realize. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying though is like that could be a lead rotation guy that at least knows how to do it. Got and, it. I mean, I don't think that he's necessarily like. The like uh, a bum, no pun intended, as far as like pitching wise goes. Like I really, yeah, applause. Yeah, okay, good. that's pretty good. Yeah, okay. But I don't think that he's necessarily like terrible in that sense. I just think he's going to get older quickly, and that's something you're going to watch out for. So I mean, if you even got him for a year being your lead guy, I mean, you know, and then Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, like, and then fill out the rest of the rotation. Like that's not that's not a horrible rotation. Yeah, no, no. The more I'm chewing on it, there are definitely worse, worse things out there. So speaking of the Rangers and pitching, what do you think about former Ranger player Cole Hamels going to Hotlanta? Dude, that's a huge get for Atlanta. I was surprised. He only signed a one-year deal. I was really surprised by that. Well, to me, it seems like he's watching a market finding like i said the teams that just win missed it still have a window and then how can he help you know how can he be a, a good rental player in that space yeah i mean i guess that's how you have to be looking at it how old is he uh, i'm i'm not going to guess cuz i was so wrong on the last one but i'll pull it up here he, i mean he's he definitely has fallen off some, but he's he's not useless by any stretch of the imagination as far as on a rotation. Ooh, he's thirty five. Ooh, I didn't realize he was that old. Damn. Yeah, he went seven and seven last year with the Cubbies uh, with a three eight one ERA. That's not then great. Then in t- twenty eighteen, he went four and three with the Cubbies with a two three six. That's a lot better. Yeah, but God, thirty five. Wait, wasn't that a split year with with the Rangers? Uh, let me see. I still can't. Yeah, so for 18 it was a split year. So total for total for 18 he went 9 and 12, 11 and 6 with Texas and then uh, I'm sorry, 5 and 9 with Texas and 4 and 3 with the Cubbies. Yeah, I remember him getting a little bit better once he left here for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> not to not to rub it in, buddy. I told you, like yeah. that's what the Rangers do. Yeah. Well, and he was a brought-in veteran guy though. Anyway. Yeah, he had spent a ton of time in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought up Philadelphia because the fact that they went out and spent five years, $100 million on Zach Wheeler is unbelievable. That's a ton of money on Wheeler. It's a lot of money. Bring up his stats here real quick. I want I want to kind of run down what he's done. But, I mean, he had a good year with the Mets last year. Hell, I wanted the Red Sox to get him. I really did. And I wanted them to trade for him at the deadline, but they didn't really have the pieces to really make something like that happen. And the Mets, if you remember, weren't really in that spot to be able to just let loose and trade everybody. Yeah. Um, they do you want his numbers here from last year? Please. So last year, his war was 4.1, which once again with a, with a pitcher, it's a little different, but uh, 11 wins, 8 losses, 396 ERA, uh, WHIP of one spot, 259. It's not terrible. No, it's 195 strikeouts. But you've got Jake Arrieta, Zach Wheeler as your one-two guys now, though, on that pitching staff. Plus, Wheeler is young. He's only 29. Okay. So I didn't realize he was that young. But, I mean, five years, that's about right then. And he's only been in the majors since 2013, so there's, there's still plenty of tread left on those tires. Unless... The Mets were picking up on an injury, you know, like not there yet, but they're starting to see the signs for something, in which case they're like, you know what, just middle fingers go to Philadelphia. Let, let's not go giving them credit here. I'm not I'm not willing to go out and say that a team that, you know, had a their manager scream at reporters in the locker room and also say that he only used analytics 15 percent of the time i'm not crediting them with enough wherewithal to go out and pull a fast one over 29 other major league teams 
You know what would be a really good idea for him? To go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and check out some books on analytics. You want to learn about sabermetrics? You want to learn about Moby Dick? You want to learn about anything? Check out a book, Holmes. There are those things that used to be with pages. Now you can listen to them. Audibletrial.com slash SLM. There you can browse the thousands of unmatched titles. Start listening today. Tell them those boys at the Outfielder Center. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. Get started streaming with your 30-day trial membership. Well done, sir. Well done, Audible. It's good stuff. We'll give them an applause today. Feeling in a good mood. I was just looking at the pitching staff. So you're basically going to have Nick Pavetta, Aaron Nala, Zach Eflin, Jake, or yeah, Arietta, and Vince Velasquez as your guys. And then you add Zach Wheeler to that, and one of those guys gets bumped down. That's not a great pitching staff. I'm, I'm not spending 100 mil on that. It just, it doesn't, I, I would rather take a bump on her, I think. Oh, no. Zach Wheeler's younger, though, and that makes a difference. Yeah. Not by much, though. No, it's only a year or two, but Zach Wheeler hasn't pitched for as long, so they might see more upward potential on him than mm. as opposed to Bumgarner. Maybe they think he's peaked and, or at least plateaued. I love that you're jumping on my uh, my theory about throwing less pitches equals longevity uh, thing here. So you're already thinking in these mindsets and thinking, hey, he's younger. He's thrown less pitches. Maybe he has less risk of injury in that case. <laughs> I'm going to need you to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome on board, buddy. It's a good place to be. I'm just telling you, Ben, it's not that hard. All right. So as you're planning for your baseball team, I'm going to throw two words at you, and I want you to tell me what you think. Okay. Powder blue. Depends on the team. Your hometown team that plays very close to where you lay your head at night, mm-hmm. the Texas Rangers, have unveiled new uniforms for 2020, which include powder blue trousers, shirts, and hat to wear on Sundays. What those, do you think? Those are pretty cool, actually. They do those well. I think they're the same color that my dad wore to his wedding in 1974. Ah, good old Dale. I like it. Anyway, so the Rangers have started really um, trying to get people revved up for the stadium. I'm excited. J-Mac is excited. Um, We're trying to get our press passes in order because that's really exciting. But also, they're doing a ton of stuff. Not only have they finally unveiled the map for like the distances between home plate and the different walls. You got to run down a couple of those here for us in a second. Yeah, we will. But uh, yeah, I'm going to pull that up. But first, they've also unveiled their uniform. So they not only have switched on a few of the alternates to where it's not just a T on the hat, it's a TX over the outline of the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. And they've changed up the font on some of their shirt to where instead of saying Rangers in the block letters, it's now in a more Dodgers-inspired cursive. Yeah, I like that. That's an older school look for sure. Speaking of which, did you happen to hear about the con- the controversy today over the MLB jerseys in general? No. So this year is the first year. So originally, give a little background on jerseys as far as like the company that provided provides them and everything. They recently, MLB had the contract up for different companies to basically bid on who's going to be the official spot, like jersey sponsor of MLB. And is fans. it Mitchell and Ness? No, it's not. <laughs> originally, <laughs> originally, it was going to be Under Armour, and yeah. they dropped that after a little while. Really? Since they've had some financial trouble in the last last couple of years so it ended up being that nike came in and and was going to take over the contract and so today it was released all the different nike uniforms for next year which look great however do you care to take a guess at what the controversy was over today in these new uniforms um, from nike length of the sleeves no great oh. guess though thank you because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're thinking that they're way shorter than they need to be. Is that, is that where your head's at? Or way I think it's longer? like 1993. Like it looks like Mark <laughs> McGuire when you yeah. cut off his sleeves. That, that's why I was wondering what where your head was at. Or are they just way too long? Yeah, it's it's all just three quarter length baseballs, <laughs> like 
Ben Baseball's favorite uniform. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. But no, that was not the controversy. The controversy involves the little tiny Nike check mark. Ah, the swoosh. The swoosh. And guess what team has the biggest problem with it? Um, the Yankees. The Yankees, because they don't want it on their precious pinstripes. No way. Really? Guess what, Yankees fans? It's happening. So too awesome. bad. And I think it actually I think it looks fine. I, I think it actually looks pretty cool. Like, is it so maybe they don't want like the a neon orange check mark? No, it's just the navy. It goes with the, the color of the team. So like that's the red the size of a Pomeranian or something. This this Springfield Isotope shirt that I'm wearing that you can see right now, and our our viewers can see right now. It's it's like maybe three letters of the Springfield. It's not much at all. It's very very minuscule. You can barely even notice it. Like uh, three months into the season, no one will even notice it again. Guaranteed. I think it looks pretty cool. But hmm. everybody has seemed to be throwing a shit fit about it being an advertisement or whatever on their team and, or on is, their jersey. Is that a real expression? What? The type of fit that they're throwing? A shit fit? Yeah. You don't know about a shit fit? That seems made up. No, a shit fit's a real thing. Remember the the fit that Sam threw whenever the the in fantasy uh, baseball the the team basically scored points or the player scored points but he didn't get credit for it because it got sent down to the minors. That was a shit fit. That's was, my second favorite fantasy baseball Sam story. My favorite being whenever he had a rage against father time because a game got delayed for three months yep. and the points ended up counting and adjusting his score in August from a game that then was scored for May. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. So yeah, I just I'm I don't know. But yeah, it, it seems like a ridiculous controversy. It really does. Absolutely. It's totally unnecessary. It, it it just it feels like a thing to bitch about. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. So the last thing that we wanted to talk about, and I kind of teed you up for this a second ago, is the measurements at the new ballpark. Yes, yeah, so I have those pulled up right now. So um I'm gonna note the f- old one is called Globe Life Park. The new one is called Globe Life Field. If you pull up a diagram, and I'll have J-Mac throw this out there on the good old Twitter, um, new Globe Life Field looks a bit more angular, like very similar in the sketching, but uh, Globe Life Park is a little bit more rounded in uh, some of the outfield walls. So to left field, you have 332 on the old, 329 on the new. Uh, To left center, that's going to be 400 feet versus 410 in the new Globe Life Field. Right center is going from 407 to 407, so that's not moving. Then you get a nice sharp angle going towards right field, and that's going to be 381 versus 374. That's going to save six feet. And then finally to right field, 325 to 326. So definitely some different steepness of angles. It almost reminds me of some of the weird walls um, in right field off of like Fenway. So I agree with you. I'm upset though, because you, you kind of left out the part of this story that I thought you would find the most interesting. Okay. Tell me more. You know, all those numbers have significance, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So you're going to talk about that? No, go for it. Okay. So I can't believe you're glossing over this. The history guy on this show. Well, it's the, those are for the numbers for like the distance from the home plate to the wall. Like the right. the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. But even so, like, I think that these are really significant and make it really unique. So you talked about the left field line being 329. That's 329 feet. And it's that's for Adrian Beltre's number 29. I think that's a worthy honor, yeah. don't you? Absolutely. The left field power alley is 372 feet to commemorate the Rangers' first year in Arlington in 1972. Pretty cool. Okay. Also, I would like to know what a power alley is, so if you can get back to me on that, that'd be awesome. Yes. Uh, Dead center is 407 feet for Pudge Rodriguez's number seven. Mm -hmm. The deepest part of the park is 410 feet for the professional hitter, Michael Young, who wore number 10. That's awesome. Love it. That's awesome. And right field's power alley, again, this is the other power alley, uh, is 374 for the turnaround gang, the tram that went from 57 to 84 wins in 1974. Okay. 
And then finally? Finally, home plate is 42 feet from the backstop to honor Jackie Robinson. Love it. So that's my favorite part of it, and that's that's how that's how we got to bring it on home. You got to start and end it with Jackie Robinson. I almost wore my Robinson jersey for this podcast. Love so if that. you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. Plus, we are all over your social media pages. So if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Huge props to JMac for producing this and most other episodes. Plus, we have a ton of other podcasts out there for you to check out. So make sure to tune them in. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. It helps us out. And check out those good old folks at sensibly, uh, excuse me, at audibletrial.com slash SLM. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 93 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Vincent Namoli. Don't text and drive, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Oh, Vince.